If I can't have you, I don't want nobody, baby. If I can't have you, ha ah, ah. If I can't have you, I don't want nobody, baby. If I can't have you, ah. I can't do that. No, one not too many people know that one, man. They know the classic staying alive, right? Bee Gees. Know, but yeah, that, that's yeah. a good one too, man. I, I definitely can't do it the way Barry Gibb no, did it. No, no. You'd song. have to put your balls in a vice or something like yeah, that, exactly. man. That's what I've heard. <laughs> to, to make that up, right? That's but what I've heard, yeah. No, it's good to hear the Bee Gees. And I, I guess they wouldn't even succeed in today's climate, man, with their tone and their voice. Uh, def- definitely not. They it was good work, back man. then, but I don't know about now. But again, and also, they probably wouldn't succeed because they're original. Yeah, that's true yeah, exactly. <laughs> Michael good welcome morning. to the show man It's good to have you yes, on the show Good to be here man I'm excited And finally I'm on the Construction Life podcast It's awesome A lot of people are getting nervous to be on the show Once they walk in they see the light and they see the chair And they sit down and they go wait a minute oh. This is like legit or something like that man uh, That's that's the point That's what I'm looking for so That's the point <laughs> Well, thanks, well thanks it's good to me. have you, man. It's good to have you. And I want to talk. I know off mic, we were just talking a little bit about your current project that you're going through right yeah, now. Yeah. So we'll get into that. I totally want to get into that. But let me share the, your details here. So Michael, and how do you pronounce the last name again? Uh, Arriganello. Arriganello, right? And it's AMJ Custom Renovations, www.amjcustomrenovations.ca. And then his email is info at amjcustomrenovations.ca. And on Instagram, it's underscore AMJ Custom Renovations. And then you're also on Facebook as well. Yes. You on TikTok or anything? No. Not TikTok, not yet, not yet. Okay, let me do a quick shout out. Coach D, I'm wearing his hoodie, Pure Motivation Fitness. Everybody knows that if they listen to the show, I've done a bunch of shows with Coach G and D. We should probably get him back on the show because there's a lot more stuff that's going on health-wise and everything like that, but I appreciate the hoodie. Thanks so much. Unleash your voice on the Construction Life podcast community. Are you passionate about the world of construction, trades, and all things building related? The Construction Life podcast wants to hear from you. Leave us a review, share your thoughts, insights, and experiences on your favorite podcast channel. Your review fuels our mission to create engaging and informative content for the construction community. Your feedback is a mortar that holds our podcast together. So share your thoughts, rate us, and let the construction community know why the Construction Life is your go-to podcast. Visit our website and check out the over 400 tradespeople and construction professionals listed on our site. Check out www.theconstructionlife.com for additional content, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and valuable resources. Dive deeper into the construction world with articles, guest profiles, and more. Follow us on social at TCL underscore The Construction Life. Subscribe to our video channels on YouTube and Rumble. Check out our link tree and find exclusive discounts for listeners. The link is in the IG bio. Join the conversation on Facebook, the Construction Life community. But uh, let's get over to you now, Michael. All right. How long have you been in construction? So I've been since my 11th year. Um, and I've been my, my experience has been working with my dad. He had his own business. After university, I went to work with him. Um, my trajectory in school was different. I actually went to school to be a teacher. And like uh, elementary or high school? Uh, so or? I'm qualified to teach grade seven to 12. Oh, so you did the college? I did, yeah. Yeah, so I went through teacher's college and everything. How was that experience? Um, it was good. It was it was good um, like to, to learn like the ins and outs. I definitely knew I wanted to go the high school route. But um, when I graduated, just my passion to like see what my dad was doing and renovate kind of started to weigh heavier. So I said, you know what? I shifted my focus from teaching in high school to teaching in construction, right? Educating and- What was your dad doing? Like he was GC kind of? Yeah. So he did, um, uh, he was like running his own jobs, but he's always learned like his father, like my grandfather before him was a carpenter. So my dad started from a young age- 
um, like swinging a hammer, learning how to fix things. And then as he owned his own homes, he renovated them. Yeah. You know, and that's trial you know, and error. That's it. Trial and error. Yeah. You just figure out, you open things up and you discover how it was done and then you make exactly. it better and then you do yeah. it again. Then you learn, you learn from there. Absolutely. So, and then I found it interesting too, because the way they used to do it. So like when my grandfather was a carpenter in the sixties, the seventies, the way they built houses back then, like you watch them work and they're like, and cut roofs unreal like even to even to swing a hammer yeah hand cut roofs that's still the thing that i i love the most about that era they needed to know the math like they needed to figure out how to do all these angles and everybody's relying on i guess lasers and tools yeah. and machinery and all kinds of crap that's like that. it even their access to tools right like they didn't have like as many tools as they have today it's one guy on top here's the measurements pass the wood up and you install it right so, so I found it very interesting. Why didn't you stay a teacher and have your summers off? And I mean, you know what? I look at more of, it wasn't so much the summers off. Like that's a perk. A lot of people do say that, but there's a lot that you have to deal with during the year. Not that I couldn't handle it or I didn't want to, but just my passion to learn how to renovate, to be able to like make things with your, your hands was kind of creeping up a little bit more. So it's not that there was anything particular about the industry that I didn't like the teaching industry. It's just my passion kind of diverted. So it's interesting that you started the the show by saying that you actually teach in construction now, right? Yeah. Which is well, everybody gets into becoming a teacher at the, at some point, right? With exactly. construction, but and and how are the students today, Michael? So we're talking in, 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 in we're talking in, in like in the school public school. No, system? no, no, in construction, in construction because you're teaching them. So obviously, and and I saw that. Like, it's the same thing with me. Like, it got to the point where I didn't want to swing the hammer as much, but a yeah. lot of people were asking me questions about my opinion. And it yeah. was just recently I had someone reach out to me, ask me about using uh, sausages on an exterior gate. And, yeah. I, and I just said, why wouldn't that work? That would kind of work. Yeah. It would look pretty slick. Uh, I guess the only thing, it would have to be stainless steel. You'd have to just factor in the weather. Exactly. You have to be careful about that. But it makes a lot of sense to mm -hmm. maybe do soft inches on a gate outside. Everyone's so used to putting just black iron, you that's know, like it. the classic ones that are yep. on the face, right? Face exactly. inches. Yep. But I was like, that's a smart idea. And I told him, listen, he already picked them up at Lee Valley. At Lee Valley you know? And I was like, please do it. Take a picture. Show it to me because I'd, I'd love yeah. to see how it turns out, right? Well, it's good. I mean, so like the extent of my teaching now is like I had a brief period of time where still still running jobs, still working. But I taught in a private college um, for about six months. And they offer the... Um, they're like construction programs. They're about three months long. Okay. And the way the term is split is half of it's in class, half of it's hands-on. So after you teach them the classroom part, they go to the back of the building and it's like a warehouse area and you have to construct like a small structure. 20 by 20 teaches them how to do floor systems, walls, drywall, right up to finish. And then at the end... Single floor? Uh, just one floor, yeah. Just With a roof and then... No, no roof. That's the, the size one. of a garage. Yeah, roughly. The only thing that they couldn't do just because they didn't have the height was actually like cut a roof. Um, so it was open at the top, but still teach them um, floor systems, walls. Yeah. And then once it's done, they demo it. And then the next class would come in. So then demo it to reuse it again. Yeah. So they would reuse a lot of the supplies or they'd order new lifts because, you know, like lumber twists after a while yeah. and things like that. Um, so it was good. The thing I found about it is if you... Like they give you a textbook. Okay, guys, read these pages. If they're not grabbing a piece of lumber, if they're not swinging the hammer to a company, sometimes it's hard to 
absorb the information, at least what I found. I had to make it very interactive with um, with videos and with like hands-on. Just to keep their interest? Yeah, because like, I mean, in my experience, I'm a visual learner. Yeah. So if, if I explain to you like, okay, this is how we hang a sheet of drywall, I can explain it. But at the end of the day, I think it's more effective if I show you right? Here's the sheet. Here's the wall. So in my experience with the groups that I had, they took more to like, Hey, you know, are we going to go into the back? Are we going to start throwing some sheets up? Are we going to practice taping? So it kind of engaged them a little bit more. I found on the flip side in the classroom, I would use a lot of like, um, like YouTube, great resource. Um, there's a whole era of like shows I learned from my dad yeah. that he used to watch like this old house, yeah. um, home time yeah. shows like that were like home time. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah. Man. So like that was big. Like when I was growing up, like I could count my dad watching that every Saturday <laughs> and it was nice, but they actually showed you how to do things yeah. in the video. It was step it, by step. I yeah. picked up a lot of stuff from there. Exactly. It's dated now when you look at it. Yeah. And there's like VHS marks in those, the video exactly. screens. Yeah. But I mean, but it was very informative. Mm. And I think that a lot of people, there's too much video noise now going on regarding YouTube. Everybody wants to look like a rock star. Yeah. They all exactly. want to look like some sort of celebrity. It's got to be some like rock and roll intro, some fast cutting, yeah. editing. And I'm like, why don't we just make it just about what it was? Exactly. That that I agree with that 100%. I find that that's what you don't see 100% with companies like HGTV. Yeah. Because they're focusing more on like the wow, open concept. Whereas I like to go back to like the mechanics. Those guys in those shows, they knew what they were doing from the start. Like even with this old house, like Norm Abrams, the way he used to make furniture, chairs, yep. you name it. Yep. Man, that's not like, that's a skill. I used to joke all the time how Bob Vila didn't know much about on-site experience. Yeah. But he knew plenty how to communicate with on-site personnel. Exactly. And there's a difference yep. there. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It's just, it made, and Norm was like that. Home time was like that. It was that little banter between the two of them. I think they were husband and wife team or something like that. I can't I remember exactly. I or they got so, married yeah. or they had an affair. I, or, so. I don't know exactly what yeah. the story was. Or whatever. But, but they had that kind of banter back and forth about, here's the problem. Let's solve it. And, and that's not done today, right? No. So I want to get back into the classroom where you're talking about how, did most of the kids, were they just eager to get to the, to get to the professional level? So they were. I mean, what I was finding is because in the private college side, you're getting more. Uh, I found I was getting more students that were like changing careers. So a lot of them were older than me. Right. So when I walk in, they're like, hey, like, I'm going to just get it right out of the way. Some of you guys are in your 40s. Some of you are in your 30s. There are even some people that were in their 50s. I'm like, look, I'm 31. Here's my experience right from the get go. That way, there's no question about. What I yeah, like, what, what, I'm, teaching? what I'm teaching them, yeah. right? But a lot of them, right away, I was finding that they wanted to take the class, and right away they're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go and start managing." It's like, okay, you're gonna start to to manage jobs. They think that you know they're gonna go and start getting volume of work, and I'm like, "But hold on a second. I said, if you don't know, this is my opinion too. I was teaching them, but yeah. I said, if you don't know the the job from start to finish." Let's say a bathroom rental. If you don't know to an extent what the plumber's doing, what the electrician's doing, what the drywaller's doing, if you don't know that, you're gonna have a hard time. So you gotta when you're done this, you gotta go pick up a tool pouch, you gotta go work on site for someone, and you gotta learn. Because it's funny you bring that up because I've had younger guys work for me, work on right. my sites, and and I'm always of the mind of 
you want to learn a specific trade, sure, get on the job site, hang out with the GC. The yeah. GC is a manager. They they just look at the overall scope. They've got a grasp of everybody's trade, mm-hmm. everybody's skill. They're nowhere near the level of that individual's skill. They've, exactly. they've figured out how to be as professional as possible. But I've had the young guys on there, and you could be working on a project, and they'll just decide, I think I'm good. I've learned everything. I'm ready to go. And in the back of your head, you're like, you're not ready. Yeah. But then fine. So you get an opportunity and now you want to go build a house. You've been given this opportunity. You found a client or something like that. And you can clearly see while they're building the house, they start to mess up royally from the moment that they left your project because they felt that they were good and they knew everything. They knew enough to get the job done. Absolutely. But all of a sudden you start seeing the back half of the project starts to fall apart. And you're like, he wasn't ready. They weren't ready. They needed more time to cook a little bit, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. And that's what I, I that's why I always ask. I'm not trying to dog the younger generation. I'm just saying there's value in staying to the very end. Yeah. Get as much knowledge as you possibly can. Yep. And you never know. The next project might be even a more challenging project that you might want to jump on board and get those lessons as well. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I find that the the mentality today is, and I'll say this as like the younger generation, because me being 31, a lot of people, they want the quick road yeah. to success. Yeah. doesn't work. Especially in construction, doesn't work like that. Because, okay, new build is one thing. But when you're in renovations, every house is different. You have to first... Discover the crime scene. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You got (laughs) to figure out what the history of this house is all about and what kind of tradespeople rolled themselves in here or DIY BS that decided to do this. As you've seen it over and over, you go into a basement and you see people just notching out the bottom part of a joist yep. just to fish a line or something like yeah, that. Absolutely. They don't want to drill a hole. So they'll just notch the bottom, cut it out with a chisel and then staple a, a wire of some yep, sort absolutely. because they want to just figure that. And then if they want to be a little conscious of the construction industry, they'll put a metal plate over that. But yeah. they don't understand that they've just now compromised the structural integrity well, of that joist. Absolutely. That's the last thing that you like, you know, so you got to discover that first. Absolutely. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's a learning process, right? And like, you can even learn by like, like I learned a lot of times too, like working side by side with my dad, but like we would like, let's say take apart a bathroom and you would see like, if we're converting tub to shower, sometimes, you know, you take the tub out and you look at like the joists are hacked. Like you would learn these things as you, as you go. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's just a patience thing. Right. But in the same respect, Michael, is that I, I remember taking apart older homes in Blower West Village and you would start discovering bishop, bishop joints, sorry, bishop joints, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, they cut them on a, t- a taper so yeah. then they can lower the floor and then they can inc- they can fill it in with their sand mix, right? Yes, yes. And that prevented any cracking. So you start yeah. discovering all these little techniques mm-hmm. that the framers used to do and the trades used to do that actually made the house last. Absolutely. And you didn't want to compromise that stuff because... It was always funny. I would discover the the bishop joist in the same respect that I would discover a square cut hole really close to the edge of the joist. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so obviously this person who chopped this joist up into a a pyramid, an angle, knew what they were doing. But the person who chopped this up with whatever tool they had at the time didn't know what they're doing yeah but they've they've compromised the structure at that point exactly and you got to explain that to clients right yeah so that that's where i feel like that's where i've embraced the education side in the, the construction industry because you know when you quote it when we try to quote a job right a lot of people are like again they go back to hgtv i want that well okay hold on a second this is how we get to that point this is what's involved so i find when people are better educated they make a more informed decision are you educating 
What's harder to educate the crew or the clients? I feel the crew is more like they, they listen a lot more because again, like I try to, we try to build a team of people that want to be in this industry long term. Um, I feel it's harder to educate clients because at the end of the day, the dollar is what rules. And what I'm finding lately is that a lot of people want like a Ferrari for the price of a Lexus. Of Champagne, and it, beer bottle, so, all that crap. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, I try to, you, I, I think like you try to shrink that gap because you can't, if you want a Ferrari, no problem. Hey, this is the cost, but you're not getting it for less because you're not getting a Ferrari. I remember back in my day, man, my teenage years, a long time ago, a friend of mine, he got a Ferrari and it was a used one. It was like older, like it was a little beat up. It had some age on it. And I remember him telling me what it cost to do an oil change at the time. This is like the early nineties. Okay. And I think he paid something like 500 bucks just for an oil change. Yeah. That's and I'm like, so if you want a Ferrari, what I'm getting at is you want a Ferrari, there's maintenance costs that's yeah. associated with that. Mm -hmm. So you can ask all your bells and whistles that you want, yeah. but there's maintenance attached to that. Right. Absolutely. What do you do when you have young tradespeople that want to start working for you, but they don't want to um, understand the whole thing. Like, the, how do you, or they th maybe they tell you without telling you, I'm not in this for the long game. I'm in this for the short game. I heard that I can make a lot of money in the first five years. I'm going to take that money and roll it in somewhere else and go elsewhere. Like, it doesn't bother me because I got to the point where I'll teach you what I want to teach you. Yeah. You can take the lessons, whatever you want to do with them. You want to think negatively or positively about me, yep. whether my opinion is right or wrong or whatever. But I'm never going to turn around and go, he's an asshole because I gave him knowledge and then he took off. I don't care about that. Exactly. This is the reason why we do the show. I'm giving, like, people are sharing knowledge all the time on yep. the show. I can't have any thought process of, okay, you're an asshole because you just took the, the knowledge and left. I don't give a shit. But what do you do when you have a kid who's just determined to be on the short game? So I think if you're not committed to doing this long term, don't bother because in my opinion, in the first five years, you're still learning a lot. You're just getting you're just you're, just you're just getting started. Yeah. So like the reality is, is that if you want to make more money and be more successful, you have to play the long game. Yeah. Now look, construction's not easy. I tell people all the time when they come on site, it's like, look, when you start out, doesn't matter if you start out in one of the trades or in renovations, you're gonna start doing general labor, demo, heavy lifting. If you can't get past that, you're not then you're not for it. You may not be for it, right? But but that's construction. Yep. Right? Like, I mean, sure, you'll get dirty. It'll be crappy weather. Like, it's going to be heavy at times, right? And it'll, like, it, but that's construction. That's just how uh, it is. Absolutely. Right? I mean, do, do they just have this mindset of, like, I don't want to get dirty and I don't want to lift anything heavy yeah. and I want to make more money? That, that's like, what fine, I'm, then be part of the 1% that you think that you see on social media is making seven figures all the time. Yeah. Which, that's not the case. Well, I mean, the way we look at it and the way I look at it too is that at the end of the day, like dirt, dirty hands give you clean money. Of course. That's the way it is. You look at every building you go in, like someone's building that. But even what I found like when I was teaching was some of the older guys, like let's say when we were drywalling, you hang the sheets and you tape and then you sand, you prime, you paint. But one of the guys, he came up to me, he's like, man, there's got to be an easier way to do this. And I'm like... Like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, you know, they got to come up with a better product instead of drywalling and then taping the seams and then sanding with all this dust. And I'm like, well, learn the fundamental first. Even if they do come up with a new product. Did they come up with any suggestions on how to make it no. more efficient? No. So this, this, in this particular instance, there was a group like in the, the class I was teaching and they actually, um, 
wanted to go straight into project management right after they finished the class. And I'm like, look, I'm like, I can only give you my advice. You know, I've been in the industry for 10 years. I've renovated a lot of houses. Um, you can't, like, you have to know the, the job. You're not going to know it off of a three-month course. Does everybody that applies for, like, McDonald's automatically want to become the manager? I don't think, I hope not. I don't understand why construction automatically they want to be. I mean, honestly, Manny, the thing I've been finding in, in general is, like, the mentality with construction is, oh, how hard can it be? Right? That's it's why very I'm, hard. Well, absolutely. But I'm finding, I'm meeting a lot of people, even clients in general, that I feel like there's, like, to an extent, like a DIY culture. How hard can it be? You know, it's like, well, I love shit like that that's been brought up because for whatever reason, I love social media because we all know that they're always eavesdropping, right? So they're listening. Exactly. So it's just, you'll have certain conversations with certain people and sure enough, certain posts come up and you never were searching those posts and they came up. Yeah. And lately I've been having a lot of gripes with um, social media DIY influencers. Yeah. Now, the ones that... And I thought this weekend, I'm going to build a coffered ceiling. So I start PLing or gluing with caulking or dap yeah. little blocks of wood to the ceiling. And then I start extending it with it. And all of a sudden using this battery operated Ryobi nailer yeah. and building this coffered ceiling. Right. And you see the step by step on how they did that. And I don't even need to zoom in to that video or zoom in any of that part of that yeah. project. And to me, it's garbage. Because yeah. in my opinion, within a year, and especially if you're in Canada or if you're in a four-season climate, there's going to be cracks everywhere because yeah. you're not building this correctly. You're building it to a DIY mentality. You're building it to a quick mentality. Let me get the picture out there. Let me show people what I pulled off this weekend. Mm -hmm. And I know that Sebastian, you know, he, he made a joke. I got buddies who build a, a deck in a, in a weekend, in a day or whatever. Yeah, like that. but, but that's different. Like that's like, there's professional deck builders that can build a certain size deck in a day. Absolutely. I understand yeah. that, but they're not cutting any corners. I'm, I want to, just personally attack the DIY social media influencers that make like wainscoting walls and coffered ceilings and fireplace facing like all these little projects that Absolutely. you see on HGTV and shit like that, where sure. Great. Show me these things that you did. Show me all these steps that you pulled off on of it. But the thing is, I want you to go back in a year's time after it goes through four seasons and show it to me and, and it show works. it to me exactly because i guarantee you there's cracks there's pops mm -hmm. there's all kinds of shit yep. in there that i i that's what's going to happen a pro's going to know that that's what's going to happen yep. so i don't i don't respect any of those projects because i've seen proper coffered ceiling i've seen proper wainscoting paneling i've seen intricate work like woodworking tile work yep. and i know for a fact when i see it that's never going to fail absolutely that, trends that, will destroy that mm -hmm. before failure destroys it yeah that's what happens. Well, and that, that, that's what I feel like the goal should be in construction. Because again, like it, even aside from construction, right? I don't go to my mechanic and say, yeah, how hard is it to do A, B, and C? No, they're the mechanic. Let them fix my car. Same thing with getting my hair cut. If I need a suit tailored. They're the pro. They're well, they're the pro. The pro. But I, I feel like with in the construction industry in general, it's not like that. In some cases, it's not like that. It's, oh, how hard can it be? Transform your carpentry craft with Connect Team. In the world of carpentry, finish and rough skills, precision and artistry matter as much as the materials. But how do you channel your skills when bogged down by the nitty-gritty details? Meet Connect Team, the game changer for carpenters seeking mastery in both mindset and time management. 
Why connect team for carpenters? Effortlessly track your work hours, freeing your mind for the intricate details of your craft. Empower your team with clear project management, fostering a proactive mindset. Receive real-time updates from your job site through digital forms and checklists. No more wrestling with manual tasks. Elevate your carpentry game with Connect Team. It's not just a tool, it's a mindset shift. Aligning your carpentry business with the efficiency and expectations of this year and beyond. Connect Team has a 14-day free trial. Check them out at www.connectteam.com and on IG at Connect Team app. Okay. Have you found clients for your business that respect the trade? The clients I've been trying to network with, yes. I'm finding that they're responding better because when you paint the picture for them of yeah. what they want to do and how much it costs, yeah. why it costs this much, they appreciate that more because they want a job that's going to last longer, right? That's going to, that that's not going to fall apart because, you know, we didn't pay enough or we hired our neighbor who started doing this six months ago. Like they, they appreciate the value of it, right? That's what I'm trying to aim at in terms of building a clientele even networking with other contractors or professionals, it's to deliver like a long lasting product. I think that's important. Well, why is it that clients, they're always quick to judge your price and they compare it to what they've been approved by the bank. Yep. And they compare it to Kijiji, Craigslist, Facebook marketplace, which are like, I'm not knocking it. Any tradesperson can start on those platforms to get some experience. And a lot of people that have been on the show said, listen, I know your opinion about these platforms, mm -hmm. but that's where I got started. I was like, listen, there's a start line and then there's a finish line. Absolutely, yeah. So, I, like, trust me, you never want to look at my drywall patching plastering work the very first time that I did it mm -hmm. because I needed a sander to sand it. That's Absolutely, how bad it was, yeah. right? But I could feather it like almost a professional. Yeah. So, it, like, you get to the finish line. You get to that point. But I just, I don't like having conversations with clients where it's like they're comparing my numbers to what their bank approved or what they're looking at on these platforms. Yeah. When they should be getting three versions of you mm -hmm. to come out and present very similar scopes. And those numbers, I guarantee you, will be within five points of each other. Absolutely. Yep. So if you're getting these three same numbers that are very close to each other, then that's the right ballpark of what this project yep. should cost. Yep. And if you guys don't have that money because you don't have it saved up or you don't have it from the bank or whatever, you shouldn't be going to Kijiji, Facebook, and Craigslist or whatever, yep. finding somebody that has your money. Absolutely. That amount. Well, that, that makes perfect sense, right? That's no different than, like I said, buy, if you want to go buy a car, you don't like you wait until you can afford the car that you want. You don't compromise less. And, but for some reason at the end of the day, like how much is being spent? Um, that's what's kind of weighing. And like I said, if you get three quotes, you could get three that are $5,000 apart from low to high. But you got to understand like what you're not getting at the low end and what you're getting at the high end and what you're getting in the middle. Right. That's what you, that's where I feel the education part comes in, because just because the guy at the low end is the cheapest doesn't always mean that, you know, he's going to give you the best product. But here's here's a statement to the, the clients out there, because I know these fuckers are listening. They just quiet. <laughs> they stay on the sidelines, which is totally fine. But here's a statement for them. Do you really want to argue with your contractor that you're considering hiring over five thousand dollars? Whether yep. it's a $25,000 rental or if it's a $100,000 rental, I don't yep. give a shit. You want to really argue over a few thousand dollars yep. because what do you think the mindset of that tradesperson is going to be? 
Well, you think they're going to be interested in actually doing a bunch of shit that they discover, which may cost a few hundred bucks here and there, and they'll eat it. Yep. If you've hired them on the on the idea that you respect what they're doing and mm-hmm. the price they're offering. Yeah. But if you're out of the gate haggling, walk away from it. Yeah, it's it, it, it's pot- signs of potential problems yeah. if it's that hard at the beginning. But see, I don't think a lot of people understand, Manny, is that on the flip side, let's say a, a homeowner's telling me, well, you know, like it doesn't cost 10 grand to renovate a bathroom, let's say for example. Okay, that's fine. So how would you feel if I was at your job and I went to your boss and said, yeah, you, you pay this person 30 bucks an hour, their job's only worth 25. How would you feel? They don't look at it like that. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's take cut from the contractor, right? So I've taken the mentality is like, you know what? I'm not going to, I'll be flexible. I'm reasonable. Are you walking away from jobs yet? To an extent, um, not quite because I'm still, you know, trying to build that clientele, but I'll be flexible with my price to an extent, but not to the extent of losing money. Or not making any money. Because at the end of the day, I have bills to pay. Go to, Definitely now you go to the grocery store. It's not cheap. So I'm not going to like sweat and struggle because, you know, a client doesn't want to pay X amount. They don't want to negotiate with me. Then, okay, I did the best I could. You're bringing up a shitload of like a, a, lot of a bunch of, I got a bunch of questions to no ask problem. you about how I certainly hope. I can't stand the grocery stores out there right now. Yeah, I don't give a shit. That's another they can issue. cry wolf all they want that they're not making money, but Galen is a dickhead billionaire that's made a lot of money off of Loblaws, and he enjoys it. It's just pure capitalism. Yeah, I don't give yeah. a shit. I'm just hoping that the tradespeople that have been hired to revamp all of his fucking locations and most of the grocery stores here in Canada, I hope you guys are charging accordingly. I really hope you Absolutely. guys are. I'm just doing that shout out. I have a funny feeling they're not because they're just getting work and they're just doing it. But if they're making billions of dollars, then you guys should be charging whatever, $100 a square foot to lay yeah. tile. I don't give a shit at that yeah, point. Well, the other thing I want to ask you is that what was your dad driving around? Did he go to the brand new dealership and order a brand new truck or van? Or He didn't do that, right? No. no. And and I feel, and I, I warned a lot of people that listen to the show, when the shit was going on, I was warning them, do not buy these $100,000 pickup trucks, these yeah. brand new ones with these stupid interest rates. Oh, because your dad didn't do that. My dad didn't do that. The older generation didn't do that. Oh. They had conversations with friends and they were like, listen, do you want to hand this truck down? I'll take it off your hands. Yeah. I'll take care of it. They'll let you know what little bells and whistles are not working perfectly in it. Mm-hmm. They're going, listen, you just got to tune this and tune that. Yeah. I know a guy can help you. And now you've got a, a workable vehicle that can get you to and back and work, right? Absolutely, yeah. You, you didn't, a brand new truck wasn't an option. No. But today no. it seems like a brand new truck or van at a 10% interest rate is an option. Well, because I think, I think everybody wants the bells and whistles, right? But like, look, you have to look at it from an expense standpoint. That's a lot of money. Now, don't get me wrong. It'd be nice to to have a nice van and and whatnot, but hey, they're a lot of money. You go buy, I looked at a brand new Mercedes Sprinter. It's two seats and a steel box, nothing for like 60 grand. I'm not going to spend 60? Where did you? Si- well, pre-owned or if you go brand new, even more. It was more. funny. I was going up north on the 400. And you remember about a year ago, you couldn't mm-hmm. get a van. Like it was just hard to find one. You know, two years ago, I was talking to the sales reps and they're like, uh, you're going to be looking at about six, maybe nine months before we can get one. I remember if you, that. If you yeah. want to order it from the factory, then it's going to be this. I drive by this dealership on the 400. Had to been about 20 or 30 fucking Sprinter vans and just laying there, <laughs> just laying there, just parked That's there. That's it. Yeah. They're not and I'm moving. like, oh, so now you guys can't move these vehicles. Well, Drop the rate. Well, that's that's what you have to incentivize it, right? Because look, at the end of the day, it's two seats 
and nothing. I agree with you. They don't even have the partition that divides the seats from the back. So your heat doesn't help you. Your AC doesn't <laughs> help you because it's all open. I can't. Like, it'd be nice. They're, they're selling it to the younger trades out there that this is going to make you money. So spend a hundred grand on this van. I, I love the way you described it. Two seats in a box. That's all it is. That, that's it. Right? Yep. I'm like, I get it. But don't let the sales, the slick salespeople yep. tell you that this is going to make you money. So you should be spending a hundred grand. No. Well, no. You got to really think about it. Like I, I'm making do with, with pickup trucks and they're working right now. Now, again, that may change in the future. But look, you have to compromise until you get to that point. But with the interest rates now, I wouldn't go buy... No way, six, seven, eight, nine percent. No way, you can't. You're gonna get choked out, right? I want to go back to the school thing, and I have okay. another gripe. I'm upset that the manufacturers don't support the schools better. Yeah, and when I say that, you'll only have certain tool brands that will donate some tools for the kids to use, and it's like crack. They're just getting them hooked on that brand. Most likely that student's going to graduate. They're going to get out and then they're going to buy that brand. Yep. But what I'm talking about is the material. So like you were saying that you guys were building that house 20 foot by 20 foot. Yep. You didn't get to do the roof because of the limitations in the space or whatever, yep. what have you. But drywall companies with mud and shit like that and knives and all kinds of little tools. Sure. Those students out of the gate, it's going to be shit mud. It's going to be shit taping. It's going to be shit like that. Yep. But let them. Absolutely. Let them make those mistakes. Get, get them to get four sheets of drywall, build a wall, butt joint and factory joint, do a corner, do a corner bead with metal, do a corner bead with plastic, with, yeah. tape it on, like all kinds of shit. Yep. Use fiber, use paper. Just do all these things so then these kids can see cause and effect of their work. Yep. Then they can understand they didn't feather that properly. They didn't squeeze it properly. They left too much material on the floor. They waste, they sanded too much. Yep. Let them, during the course of that whole class, mm -hmm. That's how you should be teaching it. But Absolutely. to do that, you need a drywall company to come and donate all those sheets of, of drywall and all that mud and all yep. that tape and all that corner beat, all that shit. Yeah. But they're not doing it. No, it's you're it, given limitations. Oh, it is. It's part of the whatever the tuition amount is for the course. I believe there's an extra cost for like material, and then the school would go to like Home Depot nearby, and they would buy what they would need and deliver. It's a shame, it. man. So it's. I mean, there would be benefits to like having companies like that come and just provide instruction, even donating material, like you said. But for the most part, it's they take money from the students and then they, they go and buy it, right? Even with the list of tools, they're given a list of tools that you should have as like a basic starter kit. Um, most of the students were showing up with the Milwaukee's, the scrapers, you know, it's whatever they need, right? And we have to mark them on that to make sure that they have their levels and everything so that they're prepared. You're marking them on what they have, not the brand that they not have. Not the brand, what they have. Okay. Because to make sure that we're, they have the tools. So when we do the hands-on part, they have, when we're taping, they all have a set of scrapers, a five inch, a six inch, an eight inch to practice. So that was something that I think was was good because there should be a certain like kit of tools that you should at least start out with. What do you think it should be? Drill driver is the main one. Yeah. Another big one that I don't see a lot is levels, a four foot and a two foot, right? Yeah. That hammers, screwdrivers, um, whether it's a multi-screwdriver, it's different ones, pliers is a big one. Yeah. Um, to have a couple of taping knives, with um even like the the drywall trees not necessarily the hawk but like a drywall tree yeah and then definitely like ppe glasses mask gloves safety boots obviously um that's a good starting point and then 
um, a, like a circular saw. I think there should be an MOL, so Ministry of Labor for everybody outside of, of Canada here. I think there should be a bylaw that there should be PPE given associated with the tool that you're buying. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you buy an impact gun. You should be getting earplugs or yep. a headset. Yep. You buy a skill saw or a table saw. You should be given the earplugs or a headset, goggles. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they should just be mandatory. You know why? So then when you get this younger generation coming in, yep. they buy a tool. Everybody's got perfect ears at that age. Exactly. Everything's fine. Exactly. But they don't realize that you're slowly damaging everything about your body mm-hmm. as you spend more time working that tool. So in my mind, it's almost like the tool brands are slightly responsible for the failures that are going on with hearing and goggles and all kinds of stuff like that. They should be contributing as part of it. And and the the reason I bring this up is that when I go on a factory tour of any tool brand Mm -hmm. that I've been in the day, what's the first thing they give you? They give you the PPE. They give you the plugs. They give you the glasses. (laughs) And I used to remember that when I was going in, I was like, I'm not returning these. I'm keeping these. I was like, yeah, it's fine. You can keep them. So I would keep everything. So all of a sudden I was starting making a collection of all my PPE coming from these brands. And I'm like, in the back of my head, these should be in the box. They should be a part of it. And I know some, because I've seen it with, DeWalt had nailers and they were reach, they were like selling um, uh, Brad nailers, 18 gauge. I think the 18 and the 16s both yep. came with a pair of goggles. I don't know if they do that anymore. No, from what I've seen, no. I don't. I haven't seen them come. Like if you buy a finishing nailer, whether it's cordless or corded, I haven't seen- No them. goggles, right? Nothing. They, they tell you on the pack to wear it. Um, even like on other tool brands, like um, you know, like Eastwing, the hammers, yeah, they have right on the yeah. handle glasses, yeah. but that's a little bit different. But sorry, back to the power tool part. I haven't, I haven't seen any of that included. Even when I bought mine, no. See, their argument is going to be like everyone's particular about the kind of glasses that they want to wear. They're very particular about. I'm like, listen, something is better than nothing. Absolutely right. So you know we. Lots of tradespeople use foam ear inserts yep. on a string or not, no string, and they still put them on. But you should always have goggles, not on your head, not on your forehead, no, no, not right. on the back of your head, on your ears, or something like that, not yep. dangling from your neck. That's true. And so you, you'll, if you buy a brand new tool, you pull it out and you use those goggles. Doesn't yep. matter if not the, the cool ones or whatever. I remember I did a giveaway years ago where it was George from DGR Concrete. And he was like, listen, man, I came across these vintage safety goggles. And he made like, we don't want them. Do you want them? And I did a giveaway. And I was giving out literally vintage, like from the 70s safety goggles. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were the coolest thing ever. And it was, well, they went fast. It's they nostalgic, totally went fast. yeah. Yeah, that's all it was. But I mean, like, I think that if you buy a tool, there should be PPE yeah. attached to it. Yeah, I, I don't Mandatory. I, I agree with that. I agree But with you don't that. see MOL doing any of that, talking no. about that shit. It's not their responsibility. They don't care about that. Crap. No. And it's, I guess at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a business, right? It's something else you have to buy, maybe. But I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying. I'm just trying to figure out, like, how else can you, like, the classes. It's a shame that the kids have to pay for these materials. And it's 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 really stupid that these brands are not seeing the value by being there and having their boxes of mud or their drywall there. I get it. The logo's only on the edge or whatever. Yep. Or it might be, you know, uh, printed on the, the butt joint or on the factory joint. I mean, yep. I get all that stuff. I understand that. But the two-by-fours are all from a certain brand. Like, that information is going to get stuck in that kid if that kid is given the opportunity to practice their craft yep. over and over. See that they messed up the first time. Have someone like yourself, the instructor, explain to them, 
this is why this could be better. Not this is why you messed up. This is why this could be better. Exactly. And then teach them that way. So then the next opportunity, take those out, chop those pieces of drywall into smaller pieces, and now get them to do a patch job. Yep. Do a cutout and take that cut off and then put it in there, patch it up. Let's see how your skills yep. are regarding a patch job. That's that, that's a good point that you, you bring up, Manny, because when we... At the stage where we were building, after the drywall stage, let's say we're, we just laid the floors. One of the tasks as the instructors, I go around and I hit the walls with the hammer, make a hole here, a hole there. Yeah. So if I got 12, 12 students, I'll do 12 holes. And you swing them, and then we show them two different ways. Cut the, cut the hole out put a new piece yep. or they try and teach them the, they call it like the California patch to fill it in, to fill it in. Yeah. It's two different ways of doing it. And this is how you do it. And then they go and do it. It's practice in that sense. Right. What's better to fill it in or to put a patch. Me personally, I like putting a new piece in. Right. I guess what's better drywall wise for thickness. Be because what I find is when you do, and again, this is just in my experience. If you cut, if you do the California patch and you you put the, the drywall paper over the patch, I find that it, it adds too much thickness. So when you tape, there's too much of a hump. Yeah, Whereas yeah, 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 if you yeah. put a piece in, um, even if it's flush, you can tape it a better. Even if it's slightly recessed, it'll feel better. Um, that's just in my experience. But again. Yeah, but again, it's like you got to let the student figure their own path, it, exactly. right? You got to just give them the, 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 the idea yep. and then give them some suggestions on how you would approach it. But by all means, you're encouraging the student to come up with yep. their own ways of doing things. Like you said, that one person saying, there's got to be a better way to do this. Absolutely. Sure. There was a better way to do this regarding how to do it drywall properly and how to skim coat all this other yep. stuff. But guess what? That took a lot of years of skill to yep. achieve that exactly that's how certain guys do like the mud dogs do their bathrooms and do their shower enclosures mm -hmm. and they're doing it all with with dry pack and mortar and all yep. kinds of shit like that that's skill set it is yeah you're never going to get out of the gate and do that automatically no absolutely there's no kid out there that i've ever met as a phenom that way where they can pull that off right off you have to be taught that on several projects yeah absolutely so and the other thing that i i utilize too with um like in those particular classes. And I remember in one of them specifically, one of the students was, um, he was with the union taping. So he took the class because he wanted to expand his his knowledge. So he was a, a taper, but he was more like deficiencies taper after the <laughs> fact. So I utilized him when we were taping. I said, hey, you know what? Come up here, show them how to do the three ways. Show them how to do the corners, the flats. Because He's the guy on site, on high rise, going into each of the suites with another taper, and they would just fix. All and that's day long, it. eh? That's it. That's it. it Never was, do any joints. No, it no was. No feathering, no, no major feathering. No, it was strictly like deficiencies before they went. sick, man. Like, how do you do that? How many years was he doing that so for? So he was doing that, I think, for about 15 years. Oh. Yeah, so he, he, he liked that better because it's light work. I said, hey, would you ever flip the drywall? He's like, nope. He's like, I see the way the drywallers walk when, because it's heavier work, it's harder on your body. He just preferred the, the taping route, right? And I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll power to you. But I utilized his knowledge while teaching because, hey, better to hear it from the horse's mouth. I know how to tape, but I'm not a taper, right? I, In all fairness, the drywallers walk that way because they're actually doing the, the craft incorrectly. Yeah. And a lot of tradespeople do that. Like, mm -hmm. you'll see that out of coming out of roofers and concrete 
you know, like the, just a harder, tr- like landscape, hardscapers, all that stuff, right? Yep. They just put their body in a certain way that they shouldn't be. And there are ways of doing it. So then you won't be walking like that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But you get these old school guys that are yep. just, their mindset is a certain way. And that's, this is how they, they, this is how they get it done. Well, that that's what, what they're used to. Right. But funny enough, like those experiences, um, like I've learned even from like family friend of my parents, um, he was a drywall taper his whole life and he's, he's older. Um, I learned how to drywall with him and yeah, it was very like labor intensive. Like you're lifting, we were doing ceilings, like the first basement I ever drywall that was like 25, you know, we're lifting sheets above our head and I'm holding the sheet and trying to grab a nail with the hammer. Then like I go into one of the tool stores and I find the auto feed attachment. I'm yeah. like, Oh, Beautiful. And I never went back to the nails. I just used the screws and it's done. But so it's definitely a different way of doing the. Has anybody the designed an auto feed that works in the corners? No, not, not that I'm aware of. No, we just use it, go back after and tighten it so that it doesn't pop out. So it doesn't affect the flushers. All and the then, drywall guys are listening. They're like, they're probably going to be yelling saying there is someone probably has. An, I, I mean, if there is a let, let me know because I, I run into that all the time. I, I, you run into it all the time because the problem is that you've got a two by four at the corner. Depending on what side of the wall you choose from, mm-hmm. you're going to lose a half inch. Yep. So that's already gone. So now you got an inch now barely that you put your drywall the other one adjacent to it and now you got to fit this auto feed into that very corner so you try to do it on a slight angle but then you're never going to get it pressed in just right and then we know the rules about drywall you can't pierce the paper if you pierce the paper then you're sacrificing it doesn't hold Yeah. yeah so it's like i think that there's a way to like i mean there's a way to design an auto feed but the thing is now you're talking about you have two different guns and no drywaller That's wants to be thing. hanging. No rocker wants to be doing two different guns, right? No, no, I, I get it 100%. I mean, I'm sure it'll come one day, but that tool alone, like for me, was a game changer. Game changer. Oh, in the because, field, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So It takes longer for you to actually put it in there, depending on, I mean, I, it's a good tool mm-hmm. until it gets to the corner. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But it was just and even the difference, too, with like, um, let's say like when we bought our drywall lift, The concrete aggregates and construction industry is always evolving. With an ever-changing industry, it's crucial to stay up to date on the latest technology and techniques. Come to the Canadian Concrete Expo to keep your skills sharp and upgrade your knowledge to meet the needs of today's market. The Canadian Concrete Expo offers over 40 conference sessions, certification courses, stage presentations, and live large equipment demos all in one convenient location. February 14th and 15th at the International Centre in Toronto. If you haven't looked it up yet, go to the CanadianConcreteExpo.com and sign up for the newsletter to get special show offers direct to your inbox. Um, to use on site. In the, in the past, I learned like doing ceilings by hand. I mean, certain situations, I'll still do the ceilings by hand with another guy on site. But we did one job where we had to do 54 12s on the ceiling. Oh. No shot was that going by hand. Put it on the lift, crank it up. Oh. I can I can go for lunch. It just stays there. Labor-saving That's devices. Smart. Right? Are you still doing, Michael? Like, you're doing everything yourself? Or, like, what do you have? You have subs? So, you have employees? So, we have, like, in, in-house, it's myself, my dad, a family friend of ours who's been doing drywall for a while. And then I got a friend of mine who I hired, um, and he wants to learn the trade. So, he's still very green. Um, so, in, in depending on the size of the job, um, that's where it'll divide between us doing it and subbing it. So, if we have to do a bathroom, we'll probably do most of the work ourselves. But when we get to volume, a whole house, I'm not drywalling a whole house, it, right? So, for me, the difference is the scale, 
right? So tile a bathroom, no problem. If I got to do 500 to 1,000 square feet, I'm calling my tiler. Plumbing electrician's a given, but uh, it, it's based on volume. Yeah. Yeah. And you're finding, like, I mean, how old's your dad? He's uh, 62. So, and is he always comparing it to the past? Um, in terms of like how work used to be done, I um, guess material and work, right? So, it, so skill wise, like I know observations he's made for me is that um, the skill set of like the trades, let's say like 30 years ago, even like around the home time era, like that one, even before like Mike Holmes and all those guys, the skill set and the workmanship was different. There was more, in his opinion, and even in mine, there was more pride attached to it. Um, and they had like a genuine, like not that people today don't have a genuine skill, but it was just different, right? Here it's more, you get that quality, but I feel like sometimes like the way things were used to be done, sometimes it's forgotten. So we try to do that now. Because they worked as a team. Yeah. They understood that no one person could do the entire task. Yeah. They needed the, the group of people that were there to do the work. So they worked as a team. It, it was. And it was then you saw that. You, you don't see, you see team trades, individuals. Mm -hmm. Like you'll see a rock solid framing crew, a rock solid yep. tiling crew. But you never see the whole team working together. That's very rare. Yeah, it is. Especially when you're dealing with different trades on one site. It's hard sometimes because I've seen a lot of people like with the mentality of like, let's say if the plumber comes in, he does his plumbing, see you later. He's not worried about the drywaller. Yeah. He's not worried about the tiler yeah, after that. I mean. yeah. So for argument's sake, if the shower control is not set at the proper depth, that messes up drywall. Now, if I'm drywalling, I got to go back a step. Because then if not, it's going to mess up my tiling. So that's where I find is the difference between like being a GC and being like an individual trade. I have to know what the next person is yeah. doing. Yeah. I have to see two to three steps ahead because, you know, you, you try to mitigate and the job runs smooth. But I swear that all these trades that just put blinders on, mm -hmm. they know if they leave it that way, it's a problem down the line. Yeah. So why not just... Don't leave it that way and just do it properly. Absolutely. So the next trade will actually be able to take care of it. Or is it because I don't care. Nobody's ever done it for me. Nobody's ever yeah. helped my trade or helped me when I was in a pickle. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you can have that mentality, but you don't need to have that no, mentality. You, you don't. But I think, I think that's what the mentality is, right? But it wasn't like that back in the day with your dad. And well, that, like, th that's what I'm noticing Everybody too. cared. Well, I think they were going to get a beating if they didn't yeah. do it properly, right? Well, there were more repercussions. For yeah, sure. that's but, why, but, right? But even when I used to hear, like when my dad used to tell me like how my grandfather, like his father, again, when they used to frame, the way they used to build houses back then, like it took a little bit longer, but yeah, it was a team effort. But like you look at those houses today, like my opinion, like if you look at houses that were built in the 60s, those houses are bricks. They're not moving at all. I agree. Even like going into the attic and I'm like, holy shit, like there's like two by sixes. You don't see anybody cut a roof with a two by six today. Take their time and they work together. It's nice. One of the worst things that I ever seen first time going into an attic and doing a job or whatever is the framers using a one by four board oh my to gosh. tie all the rafters together. One by four. And I'm like, what is this shit, man? Like one by four is basically balsa wood at that Pretty point. Pretty much. Right? It's a toothpick. And that's yeah. that's what's strange. Oh, their mindset is the sheathing on the on the, the roof is holding it together. Yep. 
You mean the half inch OSB that's uh, swollen up to three quarters now because yep. it, it got rained on maybe a month before the roofers came on board? Yeah. Like that makes no sense to it, me. It doesn't. Plus they got to think too. It's not just about building the roof. It's let's say there's 10 feet of snow on the roof. Is it going to fall? That's another mentality to have as well, right? But it's, you know what, now it's, you know, you go in, they get the job done ASAP, doesn't matter about the next step, and, and that's it. Here's another gripe I have about roof rafters, and I think it should be part of the framing code. I think there should be a catwalk. I think there should be a catwalk built. Well said. <laughs> like a 24-inch wide plywood on top of the rafter, something built, um, and knowing that that's where it is in the code, that it's always going to be here. So you as a service person goes in there, you're remodeling, you got to run a vent for a bathroom, you got to yeah. run a skylight, you got to do something. You know there's a catwalk there yeah. that you can walk on it. You know what? I actually agree with that 100% because like as being someone who goes in the attic and like updates exhaust fans. We're always gotta, tapping on looking for the rafters yeah, to see where it and, is. And, but we've misstepped a few times. Yeah. And one time I actually went, the foot went through. The whole body didn't go through. Holy shit, thank but the goodness. foot went through, but... But the thing is, I had to patch that at that point, yeah. right? And so I couldn't stand it. That's that's a valid point, though. Actually, I agree with that it's, a lot. I, so at the time of building a house, how expensive and how time-consuming is it going to be to build a catwalk and a roof there? I've, and the mindset, I guess, from in, from the industry, I guess, is going to be like, well, for the amount of times that you're going to get someone going up there, what's the point of doing that? I get, yeah. I What's the point of putting a roof on the house then? I don't, yeah, I yeah. don't, that's a stupid argument. I it's don't not, yeah, you're, you're right. I feel like that's would be the first thing that they would say, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's like, I think it's a speed thing too, right? That's why, because to build something like that, now you got to change the way you engineer the trusses and how the, the carpenters have to go in and frame. And it's like, especially if they're building like new build, it's know, But at that point, it's easy to do it. Like you're installing the trusses and then as you're installing it, you rip down a piece of three-quarter ply or whatever yep. and then you fasten it to the rafters and now there's your catwalk right there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, it's just now you can get your electricians that have to run, especially with certain trades that are now running space packs in the attic that are now... Bless you. Bless now that now they're uh, they're doing all kinds of home automation, they're running Cat Six wires yeah, up there. Yeah. Like that's just it's a nightmare to get up there, and there's a risk that you might go through the drywall. At Absolutely, that point. right. That's a that's a good point, though. I I agree with that for sure. I don't know. I always I I never agreed with the baffles, the styrofoam baffles for when you're doing the traditional way of of uh, venting of in an yeah. attic or anything like that. I've always built them out of plywood. I've always e put e a sleeper on both sides mm -hmm. and yep. then gave myself an inch and a half space because that's what the sleeper is. Yep. And then I put half inch ply and then I ran it all the way to the top. And I'm like, that's a good idea. The insulation guys are not going to bury it. They're no. not going to cover it up. And I know all that airflow is going to come up. Yeah. That's something actually I haven't seen a lot of. It's mostly the styrofoam baffles. I like the ones made out of plywood. It's, it's fast yep. and it's efficient. It's yep. cheap. That's the, that's the big, you hit the nail right on the head. <laughs> I mean, but it goes back to like earlier in the show, you were talking about how Bob Vila and Home Time and Norm Abrams, like, do you see them doing it that crappy way? No. They never did it that way. They no. always outlined, I mean, you always saw it in Norms or even, you know, um, the this old house guys. Yeah, You always saw it in their faces when they were talking about boilers in Boston and, and kinds of like networking regarding HVAC systems. You always saw what was necessary to do this properly to make the home comfortable. Yep. Today, it's just like, there's no HVAC design thought process. Just no. park it here, whatever you want. Absolutely. And it goes the same with the plumbers. Like when they, whoever's doing the concrete drains, what the fuck is with putting the, the, um, the elbows like a foot or two away from the footing? Yeah. What is the point of that? 
Well, it's, now uh, you're putting a stack right here, which is you're messing things up with a potential future of renovating this basement. Yep. The amount of times that I've broken the concrete up so I can move that because it made more sense for me instead of actually having to build a stupid box that came out this far. Yep. I hated that shit. I've also done it where I've, I've removed, I've moved the structural steel post. You speak yes. to an engineer and you go, listen, how far can I move this? Here's the parameters. This is what's going on. This is the size of the beam. This is the length of the house. You just give them the information, you plug it in, and they'll get back to you and they'll go, okay, yeah, you can move that two feet, you can move that three feet, you can move it whatever you want, but you'll have to rebuild the whole footing again, yep. you'll have to tie it into the existing footing. Yeah, sure, so do it, because now you have a larger room at that point, yeah, it's larger open space, area. Yeah, it's an open space, and like to your point, like I've had experience where I met a contractor like through a part-time job, and he was building his own house, like custom home, so I would go there and do like extra like um, like deficiencies yeah. along the way, and when he built his house, um, what he did was he had his rooms, he framed the house, everything, but what he, the way he designed it was there was a channel in the middle of the house that sent all the mechanicals from the basement straight up to the attic and then it dispersed into diffusers. Pure genius. So you look around and it's like there's no bulkheads on the, the walls. There's none on the ceilings. And then on top of that too, you frame your, your ceilings higher and then you just drop them. So if you do a 10-foot ceiling, drop it to nine. Now you got a channel right above. So you're looking around and I'm like, man, like you see a house with no bulkheads? You don't think much. It looks fantastic. What are you sacrificing, Michael? Like, I agree with you. Like, I've done that before. Like, the center part of the house. Sometimes you'll have a two-by-six wall because of structure, structural components, yep. right? What yep. have you. But why can't you make that wall a double two-by-six wall? And the reason you do that is so you can have those chases that are going up yep. and they can veer off any way they want and access the areas that they need to access. But here's the kicker now for you homeowners that are listening that you guys say you don't listen that the sections of the wall that's on the main spine of the house that's handling a lot of the mechanical that's going upstairs to the other areas of the room, there are certain sections that won't have any of them. But now you've got a 12-inch cavity. Yep. Now you can build a built-in in there. Exactly. A specific room. And then you can, it's not, it's not impeding on the actual floor space of that room. It's inside the wall cavity. Exactly. And you, if you design everything properly and you work with HVAC and you work with the plumbers and you work with electricians, you work with everybody and you have this so-called convenience wall, you make it a little thicker, yep. you sacrifice the six inches of the house space, but now you can run everything properly. Yep. Yeah, I think that goes back to, like you were saying, Manny, like the, the collaboration part, because to do something like that, you as the GC, you got to have your electrician there, your HVAC technician, and your plumber there talking about it. But everybody's got the same drawings. It does, yes. So we, but today's digital age, we can all talk, no problem, absolutely. FaceTime each other and just absolutely. go, listen, everybody looking at the drawings? Yeah. Let's talk about and this. And then you go through it, absolutely. You don't right? have to physically all be on site because yeah. that's that's far and few, right? It's hard sometimes. Unless it's, it's a Friday and there's beer on the site and shit yeah, like that, it, right? It's a pizza. Or <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I think, um, I think it, especially like in the custom build market, at least from what I've seen because I've been on a couple of custom build sites, um, you will see things, that type of thought in it because... People that are building their own custom homes, there is no room for compromise and there's they're not going to compromise on anything because it's their yeah, home. Yeah. So I feel like in that market, you'll get that thought. New build is a little bit different because I feel, in my opinion, it's more production-based. Yeah, it is. It's, it's quick. It's a top. different mindset. Yeah. That's all it is. That, that's why like the custom build market has always been 
like my, I don't want to say my end goal, but like my future goal, because I just love every aspect of it. What people are doing in them now from built-in appliances to elevators, very common heated driveways. I think it's just, they're unique. Elevators make sense to me. If you're designing a new home or if you're renovating a section of a home and you can find that square footage, yep. do it. Because when you get to a certain age, you're either going to have to decide on moving out mm -hmm. or just living on the main floor. Yep. And, or you could just stay if you have an elevator because well, now you can get upstairs, no problem. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, the elevator will make the whole house accessible, right? From the basement right up. So I think that's a really cool feature um, among many other things that go into custom builds. But yeah, just I, they're very unique houses. I think that they're... They're getting cheaper than staircases nowadays. Like certain staircases have gotten to the point of stupid price car, car pricing now. Well, yeah, that's, like I just, I've heard that. I get that there's a lot of quality work out there. And I mean, some of the stuff that's really intricate and they're curving a certain way and there's a lot of gluing and laminating and all kinds of stuff like that, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. And then they're getting into some interesting elements regarding ra railings and spindles and pickets and all kinds of stuff, which is really cool. Um, but staircases are getting really, really expensive. I think, I think staircase companies are going the way of kitchen companies where yes. they're just going to charge whatever they yeah. want. Because they're going to be selling it at a certain point going, listen, this is the center of the house. This is what everybody sees when they enter yeah, the house. Yeah, it's a feature. You climb this every single day. You don't want yeah. it to be squeaky and all this, like all this sales bullshit. But yeah. you guys are charging a premium quite a bit. Like, there's no way that the trim guys that are on site are charging the same kind of hourly rate. No. And they're still doing just as good top-notch quality trim work yeah. as that staircase. And not to mention, like, in a custom build, like, the, the intricacy of, like, trim and millwork yeah. now yeah. is way more than what it used to be even when I started. Now, like, the door heights, wainscoting, coffered ceilings, stuff, yeah. seven, like, hot, taller baseboards, like, their trim is extensive. But again, they won't come close to, like, what the stair price would be, right? I've just been seeing them, like, like I remember 15 years ago, it was relatively reasonable. I could order a stair and I'd be like, here, listen, this is what I need. This is what I'm looking at. It was always, for the most part, I think, except for two of them were, Maha like two of them were walnut, the rest of them were all white oak. Wow, it's always nice. a stair. Like it was, maybe a couple of them were red oak and shit like that because mm -hmm. red oak still looks beautiful too. Yeah. Um, but they were reasonably priced. But lately, I think a lot of people are getting into the, um, the mono stairs and then you're having the floating steps. Yeah, with the steel. Yeah. What they don't realize is that is that if you've got pets or kids you drop something it ain't going down one floor it's no. going to go down all the floors yeah exactly because it's open right? yeah, yeah right exactly. and if you're a little intoxicated you better have a nice railing there because well, it's, it's going to be a trip right that's, if it's if it's not glass railing right yeah like this like it's all nice and dandy yeah. but i think people should go to people's homes that have that mm -hmm. and walk it up up and down those stairs to just get a feel for it because i don't care how it looks I want it to function properly. Yeah, absolutely. And I've noticed that too, like on some uh, houses that I've been in where you're walking up the stairs, I'd be walking up them or down them and it feels like I'm going to like slip yeah. because it's all open at the back because they yeah. don't have the closed riser and it's on the wall, it's open on the right, you have the glass railing. So it's like, okay, let me like, let me take it easy, right? Because you're going into a finished house, you know, I don't have my shoes on, right? But um, I did notice that though. It's uh, something you got to be mindful of. Nobody really test drives, eh? They just visually test drive everything. I, th I think, yeah, I think it's um, it's what looks nice, and I think that I like, don't give a shit about look. What looks nice is last on the list. 
Yeah, exactly. To me. Well, I, I think, like, in my opinion, I think that it should be functional first and yeah. foremost. Yeah. Right? Because, again, when you renovate or when you renovate your home or whether you're building a custom home, that house has to function for your circumstances. If you got young kids or pets, whatever it is, right? That's, I think, the first and foremost thing. And even when I talk to, to clients or to homeowners, like, they may want like, oh, I saw this on HGTV. It looks so nice. It's like, well, okay, well, look, hold on a second. Yeah, it looks nice, but think of A, B, and C. Oh, yeah, okay, now I, I get it, right? Or, and um, it's just that education part, right? Do you think clients realize that the majority of crap that's seen on HGTV is just there as eye candy? That I, there's no value behind the function of what you see on HGTV. I, I think I think so. So, like in my experiences, a lot of homeowners that I've spoken to, even trying to sell work, you don't hear too much of what's going on with, um, like design wise on those shows. What though, like what I'll hear a lot of is, well, they did this on TV and for this much, or you know, I want something like what's on TV. First of all, they don't share the exact prices. They they they, they don't. And funny enough, because I did it for my own, like I wanted to look it up on my own. But if you go on like their websites. And you apply as a casting call, they tell you you have to have a minimum budget. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Right? They tell you exactly what the the parameters are yep. and all this other stuff, but yep. they don't tell the viewers that are watching the show. I know that Mike Holmes tried this ten years ago. He was actually given the grocery list of what everything cost. Yeah, and he stopped doing it just as quickly as he started doing it because people started writing in going. That's ridiculous that that cost that much. Yeah. That's too expensive. I, I remember. I think that was on specifically like Holmes makes it right. Yes. At the end, he would yeah. calculate Ta everything. Calculate everything. And real numbers because I looked at it and I was like, yeah, those are relatively. Yeah. They're, 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 they're in line with what it would cost to do that. But homeowners didn't like seeing those numbers. Yeah. Well, it's a it's sticker shock, right? But at the end of the day, like, okay, when he, it was on TV, but... That was the look at the outcome. Even like, because those shows there, they filmed the during as well, right? So while yeah. they're on site working. So you see like what the trades are doing, what the plumbers are doing and stuff. So that's what the cost associated to get that kind of job, right? So it's, it's sticker shock, but I feel like, again, you know, we try our best to educate um, homeowners um, to see like what you're getting and what the dollar value associated with it. And, you know, you hope for the best, right? Have you seen, Michael, like have you seen your business slowing down because of obviously we're hit Canada, Canada going to fucking crash. I don't give a shit what anybody says, yeah. right? <laughs> Canada's already crashing. You can't have a monkey that's running things. That's just giving money away yep. as if he's like a monkey just giving money so, away. So I feel like pertaining to like post COVID, even with our current government situation, like in my opinion, it hasn't helped. The no. interest rates haven't helped. No. Inflation hasn't helped because it, you know, you don't realize it, but a lot of people that want to renovate, if they, they choose to borrow the money, let's say, now they're getting hammered with interest rates. And it's hard because like small business, small business contractors, you know, they're at the they're at the bottom of the totem pole, right? In terms of renovating or, you know, people still want to renovate, but they're getting somebody that's going to do it for less. So it, it it's tough. It's tough the way it is now, but I'm a firm believer in there's still a percentage of the population that, sees the value and wants to renovate. It's just a matter of catering to that per percentage of people, right? Versus the masses. But that's kind of challenging because that's where I asked you earlier about, are you getting used to saying no, right? A lot of young GCs, a lot of young business owners that are starting out, 
they just have a hard time saying no to clients because they think that's the only job they're going to get for the next month or two. Yeah. They need to feed themselves. They need to feed their guys. They need to just stay busy. Yeah. Yes and no. It, it, it is yes and no. I mean, like what I've done to kind of combat that is like I've, I've networked with other contractors, even through Instagram, other people that I've become friends with over the years. And like I get their take on it too, yeah. right? Because the last thing that you want to get into is, you know, you come out of a job and you don't make money or you lose and like i went in in february i went to the, the home show last february and i was talking to the rental mark had a booth yeah so i was talking to one of the the reps there and one of the pieces of advice he gave me is he's like you know what he's like never undercut yourself never because you know you're not going to be in a you shouldn't be in a situation where you have to lose money to get a job or you're working for free. But everybody never, does that. Everybody does they, that. They do. And it, it, it's tough. It's between a rock and a hard place because at the end of the day, you need some type of revenue that's coming in. You need some type of income because, you know, you have expenses or you want to feed your family. It's just, it, it's it's tricky, but you can navigate it. You just have to navigate it a certain way, I find. Did you did you ask the rental mark person that was speaking to you his construction experience or hers construction experience? I did, yeah. So they had, uh, like this particular gentleman I spoke to, he had his own company for, I think he he set up in the early 90s. He had a, he was a general contract, he used to build houses. Okay. Now what he does is, I think he he's retired from that now. He works with Rental Mark and I think he's on a radio show, right? So he's changed, but... He, the way he explained it to me, and again, he's working for Rental Mark, he's going to say it, but when he joined their network and paid in, his business took off. Okay. Because some people that are looking for that Rental Mark stamp, um, they're looking, they know what they're getting and that's what they want. They want that quality. They want contractors that adhere to certain guidelines in terms of contracts, licensing, insurance. And when you join that network, it's everybody's the same. It's an equal playing field. Did you join? Not yet. Um, cause I'm still fairly, like I said, most of my work experience has been like working with my dad cause we're shifting gears now and going more towards like laying my own roots. He's st we're still going to be working together. Um, I'm just looking, I'm still kind of building. So yeah, I have to, I'll, I'll just say this back in your dad's day, there were none of these associations. I know unless you were big corporations that were building high rise or yeah. subdivisions, then there's associations. Mm -hmm. But I just find that it's kind of funny. There's all kinds of these associations now for all the little guys, all the small business owners. Yeah. And I'm like, are they really benefiting the business owner? Or are they really just benefiting themselves? Well, I mean, that's the thing I have to be mindful of because at the end of the day, these are monthly expenses, yeah. right? So if you... You have to see a return on that, your that's investment. What it, that, that, that's what my thing is. So I'm navigating it right now. Like I'm still, you know, I'm doing my research. And if I get to that point, then, you know, maybe I will. But it's not, it's trying to manage the expenses when you start out, right? I know. So I guess you bring up a really good point there. It's I, I agree with you that the, the networking is a critical thing. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what I'm envious about the trades of today. They're not afraid to try to network. Mm -hmm. They're not afraid to reach out to certain trades that they respect and admire. And they yep. see that they've created a good product, yep. a solid brand, and just pick their brain. And I think that if they're a good brand, a good construction company, they shouldn't have any insecurities about sharing the majority of their tips. Absolutely. Yeah, right? I because agree. I used to do that back in my early days of Hardcore Rentals where my wheels were always spinning. 
And I, I had guys reach out to me going, why are you always giving up all your ideas? And I would always say, first of all, I'm not giving up all of my ideas. And if I only have one or two trick ponies, I shouldn't be in any industry. So I'm constantly trying to figure out other ideas yep. to get out there. So I'll share what I'll sh I have done or how I did it or what worked or what didn't work. But that's the same thing with any business owner. So I'm envious of the younger trades. They yep. approach these now. So if you're, it's you just, it's, it's really about you doing the homework to do the networking. And yep. all that really means is you're on your phone not to consume. You're on your phone to educate yourself. Yep, that's exactly Use the social media platform as mm -hmm. an education to reach out to other uh, tradespeople that you see that you respect. I mean, I discovered one today and I just, I don't know how I came up across it, if whether it came in my feed or if it was connected to somebody that was on the show. Yep. I don't know how exactly how it all worked out. Yep. I could probably dive in and figure that one out, but... I looked at the feed and I was respectful and I just sent them a, a complimentary message. That's all I did. I just wanted to just send them going, listen, yeah. I respect the work that you've done. You're looking at and how you position yourself and it's all really good. Absolutely. But that's your networking right there. Yep. And you'll, you'll get eventually get, if they're in the same city or, or whatever, you're visiting a, a neighboring city or whatever, set up a call, set up a coffee, set yeah. up a meeting, set I'll up something. Yeah, and just go, I just want to pick your brain, man. This is where my business is at. I got one employee. I'm a self one person shop, whatever. Yep. I want to get to your level. I want to have 10 million billables in the next five years yep. or some shit. Yep. Yeah. They will totally do it. If, they're, if they have a legitimate, they're not insecure, they will totally do it. Absolutely. Because I think now, and this is the mentality that I've adopted, um, kind of navigating this um, now, like it's a new experience for me. But my thing is like, there's a lot of people in the GTA, a lot of homeowners, there's yeah. a lot of houses. Yeah. So as a result, my thing is like, I would just want to be part of a network of like reputable contractors, professionals that are, we're all delivering the same product. Yeah. There's plenty of business for everybody. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that like, oh, you're my competition. You know, I can't talk to you. No, no, it doesn't, doesn't work like that because you got your clientele over here. I'll build mine over here. As long as we have the same like standards of how the product we deliver, that's what my concern is. But like, you're already doing that michael like that's mm. the thing about it. if you're on social media and you're engaging with certain people yeah. like you and i met through social media absolutely yeah. right so you're just you're already doing that you're engaging with yeah. that the problem i have is those associations are not doing that no they're kind of just out there and kind of giving their sales pitch and then all of a sudden they're hoping that you come in and you believe the kool-aid that they're serving yeah and then hopefully it does work. Listen, I've had that argument about Homestars. I've had that argument about all kinds of associations. And I've always said, if they're benefiting your business, by all means, yep. continue doing it. Absolutely. It's working. If you're getting solid leads, then by all means, do it. But if it's a race to the bottom and you're competing against garbage, then you're just another bag of garbage yep. in that pool. Absolutely. Is that the kind of builder you want to be? When I built my first house... One of the best compliments I got was from a home automation guy that I never met. He was on vacation and everything was all done through conference calls. Okay. There wasn't, there wasn't even Skype at the time, right? So it was just like there wasn't any of that video calling yep. going on. But it wasn't until he arrived on site on a day that I just whole happened. I wasn't in town. I think I was out of town for a vacation or something mm -hmm. like that. And then when I arrived on site, he was extremely complimentary about what I had built. Yeah. And this was getting ready for his next stage for him to come in and now run all of his wiring yep. and get it all ready. And he paid attention to how I spoke to the framers on how I wanted certain things done to make the next trades 
lives a lot easier absolutely including his yeah. he was part of the mechanical team because they have okay. to even though he had the smallest run with all of his cat six or whatever it was cat three or cat five at yeah. the time he had the smallest runs of all the mechanical trades i was still conscious of where is he going to run this stuff yeah and he noticed of course he noticed That's because important. he sees it yeah. all the time so it's like you build your own network at that yeah point. absolutely and i know like my dad could definitely attest to this too but you got to be care in our opinion or in my opinion you got to be careful with the lead generating yeah. services because what kind of leads they, they charge they charge top dollar right off the bat they charge top dollar and they all say the same thing it's a verified list of homeowners and okay no problem so you test it out but in our experiences you're paying monthly the ROI is minimal can be minimal i can't speak on behalf of everybody in our experiences the ROI has been minimal Right. So with what lead generation so what are you we, using? We've we've done we've done trusted pros, home stars, and house. And house is um house is a fiasco in my opinion. I mean, I I went there because from what I had heard, that website attracts clientele with a higher budget range. And signed on, talked to a rep, see how it went. Um what I was finding was that they were listing a budget, and then when you talk to them, it's, no, no, my budget's not 50, it's 25. Said, well, I'm, at your, I'm, I'm at your house, right? So yeah. it's, they do their best. I give them the credit, they do their best. But in our experiences, it, it didn't pan out the way that it used to be. Now, I know like when I first started with my dad, this was, we're talking like 10 years ago, um, before Homestar's, was purchased by Home Advisor in the States. Homestars was a, in a great company. Great. Not to say it's a bad company now, but back I'll then. it's a bad company now. Okay. <laughs> no, because of that purchase. Well, that, so before, that purchase was, yeah. it was purchased on the basis of just milking the cow. Absolutely. That's 100%. all it was. And so when, before the Home Advisors bought them, they were a lot more reasonable with how much they were charging every month for leads. As soon as Home Advisor bought them, they're like, okay, Starts at 300 bucks a month. That's one category. Every other category is 150 bucks. I'm like, okay, so you're charging me six, 700 bucks a month for argument's sake. You got to give me an ROI of one job a month to, to justify that. Were you seeing that? So at the very beginning, um, yes. Before COVID, I would say between 2015 and 2019, it was, it was okay. okay. After COVID until now, nothing. The decision process and selecting your siding and colors can be challenging, which is why Fraser Wood Siding is here to make the process as simple as possible. Their beautiful pre-finished wood siding is made using high-quality PEFC certified Canadian softwood, and it's available in 17 profiles in unlimited colors. Supplied by the global leader in paints, Sherwin-Williams. With distribution all over Canada, USA, and Europe, Fraser Wood Siding can help you achieve your desired look no matter the style. Visit their website, www.fraserwoodsiding.com, and check out their products online. You can even request a sample directly from the website. Simply click the Request a Sample link and fill in your information, and your sample will arrive in just a few days. Fraserwood Siding, get inspired. Absolutely. And we, we tried them again. It, we just weren't successful. You weren't getting leads, or the leads so were just the, like the, the budgets or the asks were way yeah, too unreasonable? The, the, the asks were too high. Um, the leads weren't coming in. They, you know, they, again, they sell it, which is good, but the leads just weren't coming in. And the way they sell it to you is, yeah, we get a thousand people to our site a day. They're not coming to me. 
So again, it's a sales. A pitch. thousand people coming to their site. What for all of Toronto? Like, what's the geo? I think I think they I think their main area was like Toronto was their main like bread and butter, but they don't really like in our in our with our experience with them was they didn't give you the specifics. They just generalize it. A lot of people come to our site. This is what they're saying. So again, we tried to sign on with them again just to try to you know secure some clientele, and either the leads weren't coming the ones that were coming through, they didn't have the budget. Or if they put you in a bathroom category, that, that's, let's say, bathroom renovation. Jobs were coming in like, I need an exhaust fan, a bath exhaust fan changed in a condo in Toronto. It's like, that's not bad. I'm not going to snuff the work, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for renovations. Why can't they have a separate category that's just well, like... Well, that, that's, the, that's the thing, right? So even if you, let's say you sign up for their kitchen category, it could be a countertop install, it could be a kitchen rental. Wow. It could be just cabinets, right? So it's 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 a vast like type of work. Are you still with them? Not anymore. No. So you, okay. Not anymore. But I mean, you you paid and you got into it. You gave them a shot, and but then you didn't see the well, value of what the leads were coming. Yeah, in. Yeah. So well, we gave them another shot. So from 2015, we used them for two years until sorry, three years until 2018. Then we stopped because we had a bad experience. Time went on, COVID passed. We said, okay, you know what? Let's give it another shot. Same thing. Signed on, the fees went up. Um, and every time you call to complain, they're incentivizing it by here, we'll give you more categories. So if I pay for, let's say, being a bathroom renovator and I'm not happy, I'll call them. Now they'll add kitchen renovations. I'm not happy again, they'll add basement. They'll add general con. So that's how they kind of like hold on to you. But- if it's not coming through with one lead, now you're adding categories that cost more money. So, it, you know what I'd be telling them? I, I'm curious. The, what would you say? Well, in the next three <laughs> months, I'm not going to pay anything. You guys bring me the leads. Yeah. If I, I have three months of great leads and great opportunities, then I'll see the value you guys are bringing. Yep. Because right now, it seems like I'm doing all the work by paying you. Yep. And you guys are not doing any of the lifting. That's what it is. And and honestly, Manny, like in my opinion, from a business standpoint, those lead generating companies, they make a boatload of money, in my Probably. opinion. Because you imagine three, four, five hundred dollars a month. When we were on house, houses was like four hundred dollars a month. It's that's expensive. That's one contractor. I know. So from a business standpoint, they're making it's a great business. From a small business standpoint, you really gotta sit and think about it. I think you'd be better off, Michael, honestly. Like if you, um, I listen to the younger guests that have been on the show and how they pay attention to just online data. And you got younger trades looking at opportunities that are not these associations. Yeah. And what they're doing is, and, it, and what I think is smart, who do I want to get to, they're asking. And where is this person? Yep. Where does this person hang out? What do they do in their spare time? What do they do in their home time? Yep. What kind of families are they raising? What what's their the medium on how old their children are? Are they pet lovers? Like shit like that. Where do they travel? Like I'd be trying to dissect the person that you're trying to sell yep. and go where they're going and make yourself noticed that way. Exactly. Well, you, that, have to, you, have to you have to identify with them on a personal level too, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, you're not just a contractor going to a client's house. I'm a, I'm a person going to another person's house at the end of the day. They're family-oriented. I'm family-oriented. You kind of go off of that, right? And I live on my own. They live on their own kind of thing. So like, you have to appeal to that 
level too, right? And even like aside from homeowners, like even networking with with other professionals, contractors, real estate agents, mortgage brokerages, like in every field, in my opinion, there's everybody has the same like want to network. And I'm finding even people my age too, part of them building their brand is building a network of people. So now if I offer a renovation service, I can take care of it from start to finish, which is important. See, the difference is what I would do is that I wouldn't try to sell myself at any given point of this networking process. Yep. I would highlight my skill set and my personality. Yeah. It's, that's what it is. It's not, it's not a sales pitch. And that, that's what I find I haven't been doing. It's even just to say like, okay, even like, let's, let's take it like with you and just say, Hey, how's it going? You know, love the show. Right. You know, thanks for what you're, you're advocating for. Right. And it's again, like your, your forum is giving back to, to the industry. Right. But even just to say, Hey, how's it going? Thanks for everything that you do. I heard your show. Then that's it. You start talking like that. Right. I think that's important. Yeah, but Homestars doesn't do that. Any of these associations mm, don't do that. No. They only start to semi do that yep. when you start hinting that you're leaving. Then they start yeah. to really care about who you are. I- exactly. Now so, you're a person in their eyes. Yeah. Because you were a number before that. Exactly. And right. the numbers were good because you were paying every month. Mm-hmm. It just rolled over in your credit card every single that's month. That's it. Yep. And they got their money and they kept on going. Yep. But up until then, you never heard from them. You never got any possible leads that work for your business that no. made your business in our in our experience are they sending no. you messages that I go as I, I like okay michael have you doubled your income this month have you looked at i don't know are you considering next year about bringing on two employees have you like are they having these conversations of course not that's what i'm saying is that yeah. they don't bottom line is they don't care about you well that's, that's they care about the dollar that you bring yep and the thing with them is that we you know we stopped using them but what we were finding was happening like what they were doing was let's say i stop i stopped paying for their their service so now my profile's still on homestar's website let's say it's not now but it was right so what was happening is let's say you're manny you're searching us up you say okay amj customer innovations wow here's your homestar's profile so you're looking through as soon as you get to my page now another paid contractor pops up so now oh let me go and look at him so now you're what they're doing is they're taking our pictures on our profile and now it's being tied to check this guy out so when we stopped using them we're like look you got to take our profile off of your website not to have an inactive gone so now when you search us there we're not there anymore because you know, they shouldn't be doing That's that. interesting. Right? House does a similar thing. Yeah, so it's it's something to be mindful of, right? Because you don't want, like, your reputation being intermixed with another company because let's say that company doesn't do the same level of work that you do. Now, you might be accidentally associated with that. So we had to make sure that, like, look, we're not with you guys anymore. Axe our profile, nothing. We don't want any trace of us on the website at all. And then we just, you know, you move on. See, your your old man would not have been doing any of these things back no. in the day, right? Because no. he wouldn't, and it's not that they w- didn't exist. He wouldn't see the value attached to it. Because you got to prove yourself first. Absolutely. And, he, and they're he, not proving he, themselves. Well, he even tells me the same thing now. Because look, especially if you're on social media, you get messages like that every day. I get, every, hey, can you take on another 10 projects this month? Okay, well, take it easy, like, first of all. But... He says the same thing. He's like, look, don't be quick to buy into that because they're good at taking your money, but the ROI may not always be there, 
right? You hope for the best, but you got to be realistic. So I'm not so quick, even when I've seen like his experiences in the last 10 years, I'm not so quick to sign on with trusted pros, with, with websites or lead generation companies like that now because I've been through it, right? What's the worst thing about construction that your dad has taught you that he doesn't like? And is it in line with what you don't like about construction? So one, we all talk about passion and everything. Buddy yeah. loves it. It's yada, yada, yada. It's exactly. great. Kumbaya, yeah. I, whatever. But there's bad in construction too, right? So now, like what I've learned from him, even from what I've seen, it's a DIY culture and the dollar dictates the job that's going to get done. What we've been finding is a lot of people today, um, again, they want that high-end rental, that Ferrari for the price of a Lexus. So you have to really be careful with um, like who you're selling to. Mm. And on the flip side, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Things to be mindful of. I agree with you. It yeah. totally is that way, right? Yeah. That's why I think that the sooner you can learn to say no, mm-hmm. the better it is for yeah. you personally, you professionally, and growth. Yes. Your business will grow. Absolutely. So You have to get over that fear of, oh, I have no work yeah. this month, right? It's a work in progress. Though, when you're not I- swinging the hammer... Then swing the fucking pencil. Yeah. Work on the business when you're not swinging Absolutely. the hammer. So that's 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 what I always like set time aside to do. Even like even just cold calling, for example. Like I do on average about five cold calls a week. Just to like someone in com- similar industries, mortgage agents, real estate agents. What if you design, did five a day? I would try to, but you know what my thing is that I've been finding is a lot of people I've been cold calling, they're like, Yeah, yeah, we can use your services and then you don't hear from them. So to an extent, it discourages me. Sometimes I think it, it can be too much. But you know, but if they I say could. a no, then just wait it out. That's that, that Come that's, up with a new thought and reach out again and go, yeah. hey, there's something new going on. There's a new product we just learned about. There's yep. a new idea we just came, exactly. came across, right? So, Wanted to just share it with you. Yeah. So that's, that's what I've been. Uh, it's a mix of like just sitting on the computer, Googling companies to call. And then the flip side is Instagram. I've been finding is a really big tool to network to reach out to certain people and it brings up a good point because you get all these younger trades getting into the business they see what you do and they think that there's all kinds of work but they don't see the same way clients don't see all the work that you prepare before you actually get on the job site to start their project they don't get all the pre-roll right yeah same with the younger generation they don't see all the pre-roll of all the work that you did to build this business to get to this point there was a lot of rigging, cold calling, prepping stuff, organizing yep. stuff, failures, losses, yep. all kinds of shit like Absolutely. that. They just think it's cool to swing the hammer, but they need to be taught. There's a bunch of other stuff. Well, that absolutely. You have to put in the work. And I, I've worked with people personally, like on her sites that have the same mentality. Like, yeah, there's plenty of work all over the place. It's like, hey, well, when you leave the site and you go home, you're going home to spend time with your wife, your kids, you're relaxing. I'm going home, I'm showering, I'm eating dinner, and I'm going to a client appointment because they want to do work. Then I'm coming home, I'm getting ready for what has to go on on site the next day. So there's that disconnect, like you said, right? And once, I feel like with the younger generation too, once you embrace that, that you got to work double as hard. Working on site is one thing, working on the business is another, right? As soon as you accept that, then things will start to move a little bit better. I think more and more of the older established trades should just tell the younger trades. I think the first question that should be asked shouldn't be from the younger trade looking for work. Mm-hmm. I think it should be from the employer looking to hire the employee. Yep. And I think the question that should be asked is, are you going to add value to my business 
or not. Well, that's what it boils down to. Simple right? as that. And, and you, you can pick up on like someone's work ethic and how they, yeah. they work right away. But again, they need a certain trial period because it takes time to learn aspects of the trade. But even having a good work ethic right from the start, you'll see that sooner rather than later. If they're a good worker or if they're a clock puncher, you know, if they're asking questions, if they're not asking questions. So it's like things to be mindful of. But yeah, it all goes back to like running a fluid business, right? So here's, and we got to wrap it up soon, but, uh, and this has been actually a great conversation. Yes, I just, um, well. I've been paying attention to a lot of younger small business owners starting up new ideas and, and stuff like that, right? And there was a person that I came across and anybody who knows me, like I, I like cookies, right? I just oh, always yes. like cookies, right? <laughs> I don't like that cookies nowadays have become like three, four, five, six, seven dollar fucking cookies nowadays, right? Yeah, they're expensive. I don't get it, right? So I came across some new place that someone was talking about, and I'm like, let me check this out. And I go and I check it out, and all of a sudden I discovered that this place is only open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Holy Jesus. That's it. That's tight. Okay. You can't even put an order in if it's a Monday. You can put an order in on Tuesday, but it has to be put in at a certain time. So they get it for Wednesday morning. So then they're not open on Sundays. And where I'm going with this is that you get a lot of the kids that want to get into construction. It's like when you get into construction, I quickly learned, and I came from production as well too, there's no such thing as a Monday to Friday. There's no such thing as weekends. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as a eight-hour workday with a yeah. one hour for lunch. All this time shit, that doesn't exist. No, no. But yet all these younger people that are starting these really cool and hip kind of ideas, like a cookie shop that's only open four days a week, yep. specific times, right? And they'll close even sooner if they run out. So they didn't make enough, right? Or whatever. Yep. That's not construction. That's not how it works. No. We always bend over and break all kinds of stuff to get things done to make it happen for yep. all these clients and shit. And the clients don't appreciate that. But yet they'll go around haggle your price and go buy a five dollar fucking cookie yeah well that's uh, that, that, that's the ironic part yeah because they're i guess for them there's more value in that delicious cookie than a long-lasting product i guess well have the cookie and you can eat it on the side of the road when you don't have a house right because yeah. you didn't build it properly or yeah. whatever right or you didn't hire the right person to do it and then there's problems attached to absolutely. it. absolutely it's a i mean i think like your house is one of your biggest is your biggest assets that you'll but own, i agree right? with you that it, the diy I'd love to destroy the DIY culture. I just, uh, you know, if you want to do it, go ahead and do it. Yeah. But don't ever compare to a professional. I don't give a shit who you are. Well, that's what it is. And you're right. That comparison shouldn't be made, right? But for some reason, I don't know why, even in like the 10 years I've been doing it, like you, you still, that mentality is still there, right? Of, you know, oh, how hard can it be? Or like, let's say for argument's sake, like if you're, if we're painting, for example, mm -hmm. and someone says, hey, come and paint our main floor going up to the second floor. So, you know, like that stretch of wall goes from the, the main floor to the yep. second floor. Yep. So you need ladders that are taller and whatnot. Go up there and cut 16 feet in the air. So if you say, for argument's sake, like we'll use rough numbers, say it's a thousand bucks. Well, what are you nuts? It's only a couple walls here and there. I'm like, okay, go up 16 feet. Cut the ceiling, come down, move the lot. Tell me how it is, right? And that's it, right? I had a job, and it was like she was asking me, can you uh, replace the smoke alarm over the staircase? Oh, uh, yeah. I gave her a price, and she freaked out. And I'm like, do you realize that a scaffold has to be built here 
to properly get there safely. Exactly. And then to replace the unit. Like there's a lot of prep to get to that yep. one spot. And she goes, well, this is just ridiculous. I'm not going to pay this. And I'm like, well, then you're, I'm not replacing that smoke alarm. That's simple as that. It's as yep. simple as that. That's it. Because I'm, if you think I'm just going to grab a ladder and do some sort of Instagram, YouTube video that you see these guys kind of band-aiding some pieces together yeah. to get to a point, all of a sudden it's on the verge of being an accident and someone getting hurt, that's not who I am. Exactly. I'm not you're about that the, either. The right and way. I have respect for that person who's actually doing the task. Yeah. So they require all this stuff that's associated with that. Yeah. And, I, and yeah, DIY walls. I mean, I've never been a fan of DIY. It's true. It's funny that you mentioned that too, because like a friend of my dad used to be an electrician we used to use. He ran into the same issue uh, when clients would call him to install light, fi um, light fixtures. Yeah. Because that's all the world. They give a price and it's the same thing. Well, what are you nuts? He's like, look. I've given a price and I've shown up on site and the light fixtures got like 15 crystals I got to hang. 15? Or that's, for argument's that's sake. tiny, well, man. For, that's for, nothing. Yeah, for argument's sake. Or they're, <laughs> or they're like really, they're really high, right? And people don't, they miss that, that part of it, right? Honestly, man, I've thought about it. I mean, I talked to my dad about it. I've talked to guys on site. I don't know what the solution would be to curb that DIY. I don't, I don't honestly Just tell don't them the truth. Clue. Just say the truth. I go, yep. don't compare me to DIY. I'm a pro. I yep. have a pro team. This is what we do. This is what we deliver. Yep. We care about our work lasting a long time. I don't care about your Pinterest and your online social media craft projects yep. that you want to put together, how you think this was a fun project for yep. us as a couple to do. Then great, do that. But don't tell me it's going to last as long as someone who professionally put it yeah, together absolutely. and built it to make it last a long time. Absolutely. Apples and oranges at that uh, point, Absolutely. Right? You are so correct. We got to do the 10 questions. Yes, sounds Michael's good. Michael's here, AMJ, Custom Renovations, amjcustomrenovations.ca, and it's info at amjcustomrenovations.ca, and on uh, IG, it's underscore amjcustomrenovations, and also on Facebook. You ready for these? Sounds good. What everyday sound brings you joy? Honestly, the sound of an espresso machine turning on. That's a nice sound. I've been getting espresso envy because I've been going to a few places just stopping by and they've got those, those um, I call them works of art, those, those yeah. pieces of machinery. Those that, machines that yeah, make the coffees. Just, yeah, just like, they're nice. Why can't that be in the home like that? Yeah. Just to hear that ramp up and, and see the neighborhood, like the power just go down because it's being in use. Oh, yeah. It makes, it makes a good <laughs> cup of coffee too. What's your favorite beverage? Uh, my favorite beverage, uh, honestly, probably a, a cup of coffee. Cup of coffee? Yeah. Least favorite tool? I'm going to guess you and your dad or DeWalt. <laughs> I'm guessing. So, so Trust me, man. So, I was so, guessing, so, so funny man. enough, I'm, I'm DeWalt. He, he's switching to Milwaukee. He's switching to Milwaukee yeah, at so his he, age? He, yeah. He had Midlife he, trade he, crisis? He, he, What's going on? I don't know. He had Makita, <laughs> but he just liked to- uh, Makita was the second runner-up yeah. just because of old school Europe, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm the DeWalt. I think my least favorite tool is probably the reciprocating saw. Yeah. What turns you on creatively? Um, for me, I like like open concept design, right? That's what, really nice. What word or concept do you find overused these days? Um, trying to think. Large format tile. Yeah, I fucking hate that. Yeah, that's that. It's becoming more common, but like they're throwing that word around like very loosely now. What's your favorite curse word? <sighs> Probably the F word. <laughs> In Italian or in English? No, in, in English. <laughs> in English. What's your favorite vehicle in the entire world? Uh, f a Ford F-250. What do you miss from your childhood? 
um, recess at school. That bell. <laughs> that bell, man. That was, I mean, it was, I mean, it, it, the fun stopped when the bell rang, but like hearing the bell that going depends. out. Sometimes you'd be the last one coming yeah, in or whatever. Hear, hearing the bell to go out for recess, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that was a good, that way I like You're hearing that. that certain bell inside, then you're hearing that other bell exactly, outside, yeah, and then exactly. you're like, the bell started, wow. Haven't heard that bell in a long yeah. time. <laughs> Uh, if you could master a skill outside of your own expertise, what would it be? Tile setting. Tile setting? Yeah. But you guys do it right now? We we do, but I think like to be a designated like tile setter, even like your round table with tile setters, it's the it's a work of art. Yeah. It's, work of art. There's a lot of skill attached to it. Absolutely. And like especially with what they're doing now, panels, blur it's a work of art. All the mitering going on. Absolutely. Now. It's almost like surgery these days. Yeah. When you see them all set up and get everything going and yep. shit. You're like looking at it going, this is like serious. It is. And there's, there's whatever they charge is justifiable 100%. You know what you're not seeing any of them do is the DIYers are not tackling any, no. any proper tiling yeah. projects. No, no You way. can subway tile all you crap you want yeah. or even get dangerous <laughs> and do some herringbone if you want all you shit. But I don't see any DIYers doing mitering and doing some no. intricate tiling going on. No, no. It's a work of art, I think. Totally, totally. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Um, welcome to spending time with all your family and friends. Nice, man. Yeah. Michael, absolute pleasure having you man, on the show, you man. As Thanks well. so much Thank for making the time. Yes, no problem. Thanks I know everybody's busy, and plus the year's coming to the close, so That's then true, everyone's yeah. trying to wrap up projects or end projects Absolutely, or what the yeah. story or... or Try to figure out what's going to happen for the holiday yeah. break and shit like that. So no, but thanks for thanks for having me. It was a great experience here. Thanks, man. Appreciate uh, it. Thanks for all the info. Okay, we're out of here, Angelina. 